Today we are starting a new series uh, on prayer. I'm calling the series Why Pray? And of course the short answer is because the Bible tells us to. But I suspect you already know that and that that's probably not a very helpful answer. Most of us who struggle with prayer know that we should pray and we probably want to pray more than we do, but we're just stuck for whatever reason that is. So instead of just telling you to get off your bum and pray, I hope this series will whet your appetite for, uh, for the things that prayer unlocks. The why pray isn't because you should. The why pray is because prayer brings good things. What are those good things that come about because of prayer? The hopes and dreams that we might realise if only we could break through in prayer. And so I want to say up front, I hope you won't come out of this series feeling guilty or inadequate. Okay, That is not my goal. I have failed if that's the case. But I do hope... You might feel convicted, maybe, but actually more what I want is for you to feel a hunger for the things of God, for more of God. And that when someone asks you why pray, you'll actually be able to answer out of your experience. Say, well, here's why I pray. Now, uh, I know that my 20 or so minutes on a Sunday isn't much time to uh, impart anything as important as preaching the word is. So we've got a few other tools that we are going to uh, promote, and I hope you'll take up some of these. Uh, I really want to encourage you, sorry, on the front row you can't, but the seat uh, in front of you has a QR code that Fletcher pointed out. I want to, can you take out your phones and do this now? Partly because this is the first Sunday we've had that there and it's kind of cool. <laughs> and partly because this is actually part of what uh, what we're doing this morning. The, the tools um, that we have available are um, on the page that connects to. So at the top, you'll see one of the buttons there that you can press is why pray. Um, as it happens, this was sort of act, I didn't realise this when we were collecting all these, uh, the, the, the different tools I'm going to mention come from an organisation uh, or a movement really called 24-7 Prayer. And Pete Gregg is one of the founders of that and uh, influential in this. His name will keep coming up uh, as, as you look at these things. But the first tool... Uh, that's available is what's called the Lectio 365 app. Um, Trudy put me onto this and it's really good. A few of us have started using it and it's actually uh, a great, just guides you in prayers and meditations day and night. Uh, and so you, you can just go through the, the prayers that they have there. It gives you time to pray and pause if you want to pray into things a little more. Um, and so I really want to encourage you. It's free. And, and it doesn't have the pop-ups, hey, we know this is free, but can you, it's like, it's free. Um, there's also one for families. If you uh, have a, a family you want to do that with, there's a version for that, and it follows the same sort of verses and everything. So the Lectio 365 app, just give it a go. Uh, it, it is, personally, I think it's the best prayer app I've come across. Um, second one is the prayer course. Now, where I've sort of emailed the D group leader, sorry, I haven't had a chance, because I sort of, I'm part-time, so this all happens uh, a little bit uh, last minute, but really want to encourage your discipleship groups to uh, engage with the prayer course. So I've done the previous version of this, uh, and it was really helpful. It just sort of uses the Lord's Prayer as a framework. 
and takes you through uh, on a journey in prayer and, and, and going deeper in prayer. Look, if your group is doing in the middle of something now, that's fine, finish it off. But if you can do the prayer course sometime in the next month or two, um, I think you'll sort of get on board with, with where we're going. You know, we're looking for an upswell of prayer in our church. And, um, and uh, yeah, that'll be a great thing to do in your groups. Also completely free, online, video-based. Uh, and then uh, there's a book that I've linked to there called Understanding Prayer. Uh, I've only just started the book myself, uh, but I'm enjoying it so far. And it sort of takes the material in the prayer course and goes a bit deeper. So uh, don't do what I did. You know, I went in on Monday and bought it. And uh, then on... Uh, when was the 1st of June? On the 1st of June. So a couple of days later, it went on sale. So I'm like... So <laughs> I don't mind giving the Bible Society my money. Um, but so don't be an Alex. Go and get it while it's on sale. Um, so uh, it's also available from Audible, Audible if you uh, want to use your Audible credit on that. So there's some of the tools. Um, I'm hoping to do some stuff with social media during Facebook and that during the week as well. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, there's a link there for the sermon uh, sermon series page. So just this uh, prayer is something, particularly uh, when those of us who were in the building at Discipling Culture Cluster, um, we went on this journey for two years and it's going to keep being part of our, our church life in a different way. But we really got to the end of that and felt one of the things we need to be doing is praying more. And so that's very much motivated uh, this series, uh, and I hope that you know the Lord will bless it and uh, make our prayer fruitful. So why pray? So I wonder if you ever wonder in your Christian life if, if this is all there is. Uh, is there nothing more? Church, church is okay. Personally, I enjoy church, and I don't just say that because you pay me to. Um, I go to church even when I'm not paid to. And for some people, uh, you know, the church is fantastic and God has made a radical difference in their life. But look, I grew up more or less in church and, yeah, it's good, but is this all? Is this it? I mean, we live in a world where there are so many pressures on, on our time. I don't know. Life just seems to be busier than I remember it being two, decades, two or three decades ago. Uh, we have family and work and life. Um, Christians are culturally being branded the bad guys now. So there's all these pressure. Is it really worth it? Is this all there is? Well, let's read Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, so it might be a little different than yours. This is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the mighty working of his strength? 
He exerted this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, just a quick uh, by note, but it's relevant um, on this letter to the Ephesians. Actually, pretty sure it was written by Paul, but I don't think it was written to the Ephesians. A lot of scholars will think it was actually a circular letter that he wrote to the churches in that region. uh, And the church of Ephesus just sort of got tacked on there. Um, And so I raise that because when we're reading particularly this letter, and of course the whole scripture, but this letter in particular strikes me as a letter that we can read as written to us. Because Paul was writing into his context, into his world, but he was writing to Christians in general, to, to different churches, not just to one particular church. And so we can take the things here especially as written uh, to us today. But as I say, we do that with the whole of Scripture. So first of all, Paul prays for intimacy with God. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, or as the NIV puts it, to know him better. So why pray? Well, let me ask you a question. How close do you feel to God? Do you hear his voice? Do you feel his presence? Do you experience his love and his joy and his peace? And even if you do experience these things, do you wish you could have more, that you felt closer? Because, you know, you can have a greater intimacy with God. There was a time I didn't experience this kind of intimacy with him. I had moments, but not the constant Uh, presence and not the fruit that came with it, especially as joy and peace. I think I've spoken before how they were just lag. I didn't even know what joy unspeakable and peace passes understanding meant. And I can't say even now that I live constantly in that, but I have experienced it since because the Holy Spirit came crashing in and everything changed. Uh, One evening of intense breakthrough prayer, the Holy Spirit changed my life as a Christian. Now, I still need to pray this prayer for greater intimacy with God because I am nowhere near as close to God as I should be or I want to be. Obviously, spending time in prayer is how we get closer to God. If we want to grow closer to a spouse or a friend, what do you have to do? You have to spend time with them. You have to talk to them. But this morning, I'm not actually telling you to spend more time with God because I know for some of you that will just be like, oh, really? I can't do that. I failed before. I've tried. No, in this instance, what I want to focus on is what you pray when you pray. You don't have to pray more. Just make it more strategic. When you pray, ask God to fill you with the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him deeply. Shoot that off. Lord, let this be my prayer. Because Jesus said the father loves to give good gifts to those 
who asks, especially the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we experience intimacy with God, his real presence with us. So ask God to reveal himself and give you discernment to know him better. Why pray? Pray so that we can have deeper intimacy with God. As I finish that little point, I sort of feel I realised I was preparing this. This is a whole sermon series in itself. Maybe we'll revisit one day. Anyway, secondly, Paul prays that we'll know our purpose. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. We have a calling. We have a purpose. And so many people today have lost hope, haven't they? We, as a society, we look at climate change and the economy and we think, there's no future. Why even bother? What's the point? And, you know, we see, on the one hand, a rising mental health crisis. On the other hand, in many countries, we see falling birth rates. And people wonder, what's the point? Young people particularly are just giving up. They feel locked out of the economy. They see no hope in the environment, in the future. Uh, In China, they call it lying flat or let it rot. It's just become a whole thing. And why not? If your purpose in life, and if this is all you're told, is to make money or find success or the great Australian dream, own your own home, that's looking pretty elusive at the moment, isn't it? Particularly if you're younger. Why even bother getting out of bed? Well, friends, God's people always have a reason to get out of bed. God has called you and me to hope and hope pulls us into a good future. It calls us to a higher purpose. Now, the road may be pretty rough moving towards that good future, but we know where we're going and we know why. So do you know the hope of your calling? Do you know what your purpose is? God has given us a purpose as his people. He's given us a purpose as this church. He's given you a purpose as an individual. Do you know what it is? Do you know why you're here and where you're going? Do you know what the reason to get out of bed every morning is, even if you're broke, jobless and don't have a home? And if not... I'm not going to tell you what your purpose is this morning, but I am going to tell you to ask God because he'll tell you. Pray. Ask God to open the eyes of your heart to see the heavenly realities that he has called us to. Why pray? Because God has a purpose for your life and he wants you to discover that and he wants you to live it out. Then Paul prays that we will know our identity. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, think about this for a minute. Isn't inheritance all about identity? Who are the people who inherit wealth? We know why it all too well when it's the big, big cheeses, don't we? It's their kids that inherit, usually. You know, it's not what you know. It's not even who you know. It's who you are. 
And folks, you're someone. Do you know it? Our culture is experiencing a massive identity crisis today. Uh, Gender dysphoria is a real thing and we need to treat those who experience it with love and compassion. But what we're seeing today in a gender identity crisis goes far beyond uh, what has historically been the experience of a few individuals. We're seeing something that's created by a complete worldview shift and unhinging from uh, our identity as a culture and even families in some cases. And we see this because it's not just about sexuality anymore. Some people argue, well, look, if I can choose my sexuality or my gender identity, uh, why not my race? So some very white-looking people, I know there's one YouTuber, and look, I know I'm talking about the extremes, but this is, we tend to go to the extremes. It's like, no, I feel like a Korean, and he's had all this surgery, and and he says, now I'm Korean, and all the Koreans are like, you have got to be kidding. You're not Korean, dude. You're British. But then there's people who say, well, why not your species? I feel like a puppy. And I don't mean owning a puppy, I mean being a puppy. It's just... It's actually quite disturbing. Now, again, those are extreme examples, but so many young people just don't know where they fit. They aren't secure in themselves, and this is part of what contributes to our mental health crisis. And incidentally, I don't think it's their fault. I think it's my generation's fault and my parents' generation's fault. Where have we failed that the next generations are so unhinged from their identity. Do you know what one of the biggest indicators of success in America is? So everyone will point to race, right? Oh, the Asians, they have it. And the African-Americans are at the bottom of the pile, and so people will look for race. It's not actually race. Well, what about class? I, I, I you know, grew up poor and I'm, and I'm just stuck here. It's actually not class as well. Do you know what the biggest indicator of success is? They find when you take out these other things. It's when someone is born and raised in a stable, harmonious home with both their biological parents. And when you, when you have someone in that, they say that the difference between Asian, white and black disappear in terms of opportunity and outcomes in life. Why? I think part of it is because when you grow up in a loving, stable home with your parents, you know your identity. You're, you, you just you live in this identity. That's part of it, not all of it, but your identity is secure. And when the inevitable storms of life come crashing in, you have an anchor that holds you. This is who I am. This is where I belong. These are the people who've got me. Now, I know family is complicated and things go wrong. Not everyone, they grow up in a stable home, is it? It's up to the parents. And not all is lost. Uh, if if you're not in that situation or if your marriage isn't great. And, and frankly, it's not a guarantee. If the home is great, kids make their own decisions as well. God's grace is greater. But nevertheless, the statistics bear it out. So here's for us as Christians, our inheritance, our identity 
is in the people of God. Paul says the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We are part of a family, the family of God, with God himself as our father. Christian, do you know who you are? Have you got a sense of your identity in Christ when the storms of life come crashing in? And I'm not saying it's going to be easy and you'll just waltz through it. But do you have an anchor that holds you to the rock of Christ? And if you're not sure, pray. Why pray? We pray so that we can live in the reality of our identity in Christ. And then finally, Paul prays, I love this one, prays for breakthrough resurrection power. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead. Don't you long to see God's power working in our world and in your life? You know, at one level, we just need God's power to live the sorts of life we aspire to as his people. I don't know about you, but I feel hopelessly frail and I do not have it together. And, and I need God's power just to be a decent human being sometimes let alone to be a Christian, to put off sin and to put on holiness, to live in love towards other people. I don't know. I'm fundamentally a selfish person, I've realised. I need God to change that. We need God to live contagious lives filled with his joy and his love and his peace. But at another level, uh, maybe you and certainly the people around you, they just need a breakthrough. They need raw power to come, whether that is in a psychological, emotional breakthrough because they're trapped in the dungeon of their mind or a spiritual breakthrough or a physical breakthrough, a physical healing. We need God's power for that spiritual and emotional and physical wholeness. And friends, there is a level of breakthrough that is unknown to most of us. And I certainly include myself in that. We may have heard the stories of revival. We may have met some people who claim to have experienced God's power. But it all seems so far off. And yet Paul prays that your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us. He's not just keeping it to himself. Towards you. That power that rose Christ from the dead. That power that gave you new birth in Christ into a living hope. Why pray? Well, how can we not pray when this vision is presented before us? I'm not asking you to pray more, but I'm asking you to pray for that. Why pray? Well, friends, here's the bottom line. We pray because there is more. And I don't have it and I want it. Anyone else? And so we ask God, please, God, give it to us. Now, he's going to test us in that. He's going to show us things that are in the way of receiving that. He's going to see how hungry we are. But pray, 
Do you long to know God with a deeper intimacy? Do you long for a a greater sense of your identity and purpose in Christ? Pray. If you want to see the breakthrough resurrection power of God in your life and in your world, pray. And if you're thinking, maybe you've lost hope and you think, I I I can't. It's just not there. Well, friends, then pray for that as well because God's grace is bigger. Where do you want to see more of God in your life? Because there is more. Pray. And look, in praying, if you don't know how to pray, pick up the Bible here and turn this into your prayer. Ephesians basically 17 to 19. I pray, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, glorious Father, that you would give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Your translation will probably put it a little less formally than this. I pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened so that I may know the hope of your calling, the wealth of your glorious inheritance in the saints and the immeasurable greatness of your power towards me who believes according to the mighty working of your strength. That's all you can pray. Friends, take it to the next level. Don't just pray this for yourself. Pray this for your family. Pray this for your discipleship group. Pray this for your church. And can I humbly ask, please pray for your pastors as well. And here's the thing. If you want me to join you in praying that, drop me a line. And I am serious about this. If you say, Alex, can you join me in this? I will pray for you. Because I want you to experience more in Christ as well. So why don't we do that now? Would you join me in praying? So, Father, I want to thank you for this church, for its faith in you and its love for others. And there is a lot of love here. I pray that you will give us your Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation in increasing measure that we can experience a deeper intimacy with you. I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts so we can deeply know our purpose, the purpose you've given us, that we can know the hope of our calling in you and our identity in you as part of your family. And I pray that we will know the immeasurable breakthrough resurrection power that you have for us in Christ. Father, let this be the reality of our lives, our families and our church, that we might bring your healing gospel to our world. In Jesus' name, amen.